Hey, I'm Scotty, host of Hit Subscribe. This episode, we're chatting with Justine Woods, creator and CEO of The Bookish Box, alongside Rebecca Woods, head of logistics and fulfillment manager. The Bookish Box is a monthly literary subscription, sending a newly released book and themed items to subscribers every month. We chat about how Justine turned a hobby into a business, the importance of community when building a brand, as well as how strong values drive the bookish box. So let's get started. Justine and Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Hi. So really excited to talk about everything the bookish box today. Uh, Justine, why don't we start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the bookish box? Uh, yeah, so I am the owner of the Bookish Box. I launched it a long time ago. Uh, I started like by myself and now we've grown a lot. And so we have other employees who do a lot of the heavy lifting now. So now I get to just do the parts that I really enjoy. And Becca, when did you come to the picture of the Bookish Box? I've been on the team now for, I want to say about two and a half years. When I heard that the other day, I was blown away because I was telling Justine, I was like, it feels like I've been here since forever, like since it started. But officially, I started two and a half years ago. So Justine, just because I know some of this stuff um, from our pre-call, if I was to tell you back in like 2012, you're like uh, creating 100 shirts for Fifty Shades of Grey, the publishers, when they contacted you, if I was to talk to you then and say, hey, 10 years from now, you're going to be the CEO of your own company, what would you have said? No, (laughs) I don't know. I I don't think I would have believed you because I don't, I, this was like never in my framework of dreaming. Like I never thought that it would be any more than this. Like I always assumed it would be like cool hobby money. Um, and to like, like support my husband's income basically. Um, but I didn't ever think it would be like, this is what we're thriving on and, uh, that it would become the income of so many other people too. So no idea. Can you tell me a little bit about that change? Uh, how did it start as this hobby and then how did it slowly evolve into this business? Um, so originally it started as a book review blog. So, and really that originated because I am such an avid reader and I was on a very low income. So, and it was kind of, I want to say it was before like Kindle Unlimited, but now there's a lot of great opportunities for people who don't even like, ebooks that from your library, there's all those opportunities now. But when I started, when I was really, really heavy into reading, there wasn't. So by the time that that happened, um, I just really wanted to read a lot and I didn't have the means to do it. So I started to do reviews. I started this review blog because it was an opportunity for me to review books. And especially at that time, if you were a book reviewer, publishers would send you copies of books to review. So I was able to like uphold my like heavy reading habit without having to buy these books, but also contribute to like the book community. Um, And then eventually it started doing like, I would make shirts because as I got more into the book community, I wanted to do things like go to book signing events and those things cost money. So I started making shirts and I was literally like getting like a a glue. I forget what it's called, but it's basically an iron on material. So I would get it. I would take a razor and cut out a design and then iron it on a shirt and then hand paint it and then pull it off. And then I found out what a screen is and I was like, oh, (laughs) that's way better than what I'm doing. So I would make screens and screen print shirts. Um, And then uh, at that time, that was it. Like, that's all I was doing. And that was a long time ago. Like the blog started in 
I want to say 2012, 2013. I just know I was pregnant with my daughter and she was born in 2013 and the shirts started pretty in that same area. So I think they also started in 2013 and it started as just an Etsy shop. That's so cool. I love hearing that. And I love like, uh, learning as you go. I find that's like the best way to do it. You know, you, you just have to start and then the learnings yeah. come as you do it. Um, yeah. let's talk about the growth since then though. Um, Becca, when you came on board, you're finding, you know, we need space for some of this stuff as, as the bookish box has grown and evolved into this subscription box. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey of warehouses and finding space to store these, these boxes? Yeah. So when I first came, we had just moved everything from, it was being done in the basement of just Dean's house. And that's where everything happened was the basement. And then they moved into a warehouse and that's when I like first came on. And I remember all of us were just like, this is so amazing. Like we have all this space, like it felt so professional and like, we're like, we're real business now it's happening. And like, we had a conference room and we we're like, when are we ever going to use that? And then little did we know, like three, four months later, we were like, we have no room. There's no space in this warehouse where everything is on top of us. Like we can't move. We're getting shipments and we're having to like, be like, can we leave it outside for a few hours until we can make a space to bring it inside? And it was so, it was honestly scary because we went from being a smaller company and so quickly growing that much and feeling like, how are we going to keep up with this, with the space that we have? And then we recently just moved again to another larger warehouse. Um, and then the same thing happened. We were like, this is incredible. We have so much space. Like, this is it. I remember when they were looking, just seemed like, oh, the one that we're getting is really big. Like, it's way more space than we need. But, you know, we have to move. And we're like, very excited. And now even we're like, oh my gosh, we could expand. Like if the people at, like next to us move out, like we should see if we can get their spots so we can like make this bigger because we need more space because I mean, we went from having like four employees and now we have almost 30 or I think we do have 30. Yeah. And so even just space for like people to be around like that takes that so much. Our customer service has grown from one person to four people and we're hiring. We're like, my goodness, how do we fit it? And we just always seem to figure it out. Like it always falls into place. And it's, it's kind of like a puzzle every day. And that's something that I like about it. I love that. I love to hear about that growth. I know we're kind of jumping around on the timeline here, but just seen for you, when it first started out the bookish box, it wasn't necessarily books, right? That, that came a little later. It was more like the, the merch around books. So when did that slowly grow? And um, can you tell me how like the box evolved through the years? Yeah. So when we first launched, because of my background in doing um, press and um, reviews and being sent books, I didn't have a need for books personally because I had them. I was getting them months prior. And a lot of the people in the book community that I surrounded myself with were those same kind of people who were also reviewers. So the idea of having a book box where it was stuff to support what you loved and not necessarily include a book because you might've already had it. And especially because you're paying now for this box and when a you know, company gives it to you, you're not. So I didn't want to take someone's money to give them a duplicate book. And that was really where my thought process was. So we started with a shirt and we called it like shirt and goodies. And it was just three to four items that I would source from small shops. 
And um, it was things like chapstick or like a headband or like a little tiny candle or something like that and a shirt. And I sold it for the same price as what my shirt sold as. So you're basically getting those goodies for free if you were pre-ordering and we sold out immediately. And then every month we would double and sell out quickly. Uh, and we stayed like that. And then at the same time, book boxes were kind of coming on the market. There was maybe two other companies and they had books in their boxes. And that's when I started seeing customers request, like, can you put a book in the box? And at first I was kind of like, that's really just like never been part of what I've done. And I kind of just backed off on it. And I, I don't know, I think that to the same idea of that, like it's a puzzle. So with customers demands, you kind of have to weigh like what demands are ones you want to meet and what demands are you ones you would say like, that's just not part of my brand. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing that maybe this needed to be part of my brand because there's a bigger community than just book reviewers. There's readers who don't review, but just read and really enjoy it. So I added a book to the box and that was in, I want to say it was in 2018, somewhere in there. We added our first book and it wasn't a special edition or anything like that. And at that time, no, no one was really doing special editions in their boxes. It was just a new release book and it was really fun. And we started doing that. Uh, we kind of just added it as another option people could choose so they could stay with the other ones or they could gravitate to this one that offered a book. Um, and now all of our options include books um, because we really wanted to kind of like center ourselves on the books and all of our books are special editions. So the books that we ship, you can't get anywhere else. You could only get them from us and they're all limited special editions, which is really cool. I think it's so cool. It's this like awesome mix of like a curated box, but then also offering like the exclusivity of like, hey, if you're in the subscription program, you're going to get your hands on these special editions. I think it's so neat. I'm a book nerd myself. So obviously I, I relate to that, but yeah, I think that's really cool. You mentioned this growth, just like boom, doubling, continuing to sell out and moving along. Um, but I know from talking to you guys, it was around what, 2020, the start of the pandemic um, that you started to notice like a little bit of a slowdown and a plateau in your growth. Um, so yeah. Yeah. What happened um, next from there? I'd love you to elaborate on that. Yeah. So I would say early days, it felt like we were just growing, growing, growing. And then it kind of happened where we looked around and we were like, oh, there are a lot of people doing what we're doing now. Like this market has become very, very saturated where every month a new box was popping up. And uh, because people have like fear of missing out, they would just be like, I'm going to switch and I'll come back. I just want to try something new. And we were like, we, we want to make it so that people don't want to risk missing. Like we want to make it so that our boxes are so amazing that like, you don't have a doubt. And, um, we were doing marketing and everything like that. And I kind of just stopped doing marketing. I'm not sure why, but in 2020, right. It was kind of like at pandemic, right before pandemic, I kind of looked up and I was like, our numbers have stayed the same for the last year. Maybe this is just our number. Like maybe this is where we're at. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's also in this industry. And she was like, well, what are you spending on like ad spend? And I was like, uh, I kind of just like stopped doing that. And she was like, well, that's what you've done wrong. Like you're just talking to the same market you've been talking to. That's why you're not seeing growth anymore. So we got an advertising agency and they came in and were very helpful. And we also switched like our backend site. We were on a different company site to like host and it felt kind of like they were in, in antiquated. They also like changed things around that were like they, when they first launched, we were one of the few companies who were with them. 
Um, and they kind of like used our growth to propel theirs. And then they started this marketplace and then you, they, it was like supposed to be a benefit of working with them. And then they suddenly changed the terms where anybody you acquired on the marketplace, they were going to take a retainer fee for, for the life of that customer. So even if my ads brought them to that marketplace, I was paying them forever for that customer, which we were like, that's crazy. And subscription boxes already have such a low, low, like uh, margin that mm-hmm. like me paying someone for, for nothing felt crazy. So that's when we also switched. So we like in 2020, we made a bunch of big changes um, because we were kind of cautioning ourselves because it was very new with the pandemic and we really didn't know how it was going to go. So we did, we hired on a really incredible advertising company. And then ever since then, our growth has been like out of this world. And at the same time, we switched back insight. So we were able to bring like, have more money to spend on marketing and kind of give it better because we had this shop too. So we were kind of, when we would advertise, it was either sending people to a shop or to the subscription box. And we were able to like put them together. So now that people are, we're spending $1 and paying right where we want them, as opposed to like having to split that between two sites. So that's awesome. And and Becca, what do you remember about this time when like this switch is going underway and seeing some of that growth? I remember being terrified the first month that we had grown a lot. We had done a box for a book that is very popular, right? And that box went nuts. I remember seeing the numbers and being like, we have to make all those candles. Oh my goodness, this is insane. How are we going to do it? And then we just kept thinking like, after that though, they're going to drop back down. They're going to drop back down. And then they just kept getting higher and bigger every month that we would pull our numbers. We were like, oh my gosh, we did more. We did more. And it was one, like so reassuring. I had left my full-time job that I had been at for about like six years um, just to come over here. Cause I like enjoyed it when I was working instead of before where I didn't. And I was like, it's worth it. It's a little scary, but it's worth it. And then when we just kept seeing the growth, I was like, I can't believe it. Like I made a good decision. I came to the right company at the right time. And like, now I get to work and be happy all at the same time. And that was honestly like my only thoughts in the moment. I didn't think anything about like money or like raises or anything like that. I was just like, oh my gosh, security, job security. We've done it. We're good to go for life. I love when you make a bet on yourself and something else and, and it definitely works out. I, I think that's so great. Um, I'm kind of amazed by like, and obviously just how much forethought has to go into planning out these boxes. Like how far out right now do you guys have planned? Um, uh, Justine, you're thinking about it. It's a lot, eh? Cause it's a lot. Cause we, we, right now we have a young adult box and an adult box and they go at like a different pace um, because the adult box has, we tend to work with more indie authors where the YA box are working with more of a publisher base typically. Um, so the YA box, we're picking books for fall of this year. And I actually, with the adult box, it's about the same. So, and that's for the monthly subscriptions, but we also do like specialty, uh, like a special edition that will drop as just a purchase, not part of the box. And those we have, we have like a giant calendar of my office. It takes up the whole wall of the year and we have stuff the whole year and into next year we have contracts we're signing that are 
thing. We're going to start on this in the next year. So really far out, especially with everything that's going on in today's world with like printers, there's so much going on with printers that we are needing to give like publishers nine months notice on a book that we want to do for a special edition. So wow. we're, we're not just reading, you know, early releases or whatever. We're reading like manuscripts and sometimes uncorrected manuscripts to, um, to like pick a book so that way we know we like it and just hope that like any pacing issues or whatever are going to be corrected um because that's how far in advance they need us to pick that's wild and so becca that must be uh, like an exciting challenge for you to make sure you, you got the inventory you got the warehouse you gotta make sure like things are running smoothly yeah it feels like our brain is constantly thinking about like 50 things at one time like we go I'll be talking to our team about, you know, we're doing January and February. And then they'll hear me say like for April. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, why would we be talking about April? I'm like, you're right. You're right. Like, let me bring my brain back. We're not to April yet, but our brains are on April and thinking about things like that. So just keeping all of the to do's in order for multiple months so far in advance and then making sure we have space for it. I mean, we have containers coming for our February stuff and our March stuff and two special editions right now that we're watching as they come. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all coming at the same time. We're all gonna have to unload it and making sure that we have that space available to do it and the staffing to ensure that when it comes, we get to check in, that we're not shorted on anything and we're ready to go. And then having them prep all those items that need to get prepped. It is, it is a lot happening in our head. But again, that's the fun part about it because it's never boring. There's never a day that I come in and I'm like, we don't have much going on today. It's like, I can, there's a million things that we could be working on at one time. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of puzzles. And I think I just really like puzzles. (laughs) That's the gist of this. It sounds like like a lot of spinning plates. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like keeping those plates spinning, adding yeah. another plate on, keep that spinning too. I love it. Um, you, Justine, you mentioned earlier, you're talking about community, hearing from your community, something they wanted, thinking about how it benefits you. Like, is it a part of the brand and, then, and moving off of that? How important is community as you've now been with this community for 10 years? How important is it to the bookish box? Deeply important. I mean, I think at this time, we're kind of trying to find a, a positive balance between us, our identity and our community, because I think um, the bigger we've gotten, the more we've seen like different sides of the community that are not always great, right? But there's this really incredible side to our community that we like to just really hang out in, which is people talking about books they love, recommending that. Um, Even some of the coolest things that we've got to do is because somebody in our Facebook group was like, oh, I would love if you guys did something like this. And we were like, me too, actually cool idea. And then we get to do it. So the community has been really cool in that way that they are almost like this whole other group of people who have these really great ideas. Um, and I like that. And I like that we, I have like weekly lives where I sit and we talk with them. We answer questions. Um, and if it's not me, it's somebody else on my staff. And it's also really cool. Cause we kind of get that connection with them. I think it's been very good for us because that connection has given people, I don't know, like a, a way to view us as people, I guess. Totally. So, and while we're still, and I think that every company will have those kind of challenges where, people forget that you're just a person like operating Mm -hmm. in a world, especially like in a pandemic world right now, 
But for the most part, I think all of that community that we've done and built has allowed people to look at us like people. So when we make a mistake and we're coming forward, we're saying, hey, we want to be transparent. This happened. We're so sorry. Here's how we're fixing it. We're met with a little bit more grace than mm-hmm. I think if we were like this ominous group that we just sent an email and they've never met us. They don't know who we are and they don't have faces to names. I think it's easier to just get angry at an entity as opposed to like angry at this person. And I know what her face looks like. And she talks like she gives a shit because I do. And I feel like that kind of community has been very positive for us because um, they enrich what we're offering, which is all we could ask for. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm on the social side of recharge. I see that too. And people just think like, I'm just going to tweet or yell at this like faceless brand, you know, but I think that's such a wise idea. And, and you mentioned it, and, and I absolutely loved it when you mentioned it in our pre-call too, that you're doing these weekly, what's it on Instagram live and just direct you to your community chatting, showing what's coming up and doing that. Becky, you even mentioned that sometimes in the community, you've seen other social or other accounts, like answer questions for you guys, like doing the work for you. Yeah, that is, I mean, it's, that is really cool because one, they care enough to want to help those other people out. But it also, it does make it just feel like it's a, it's our own little family. Like we always refer to them as like our bookish fam. Like this is our family that we get to talk books about, but also like get to be a part of a business that we have such a passion for. And to see them return with that passion that we have is so exciting to see. And then also it's helpful because like we may not be able to, because we only have so many people that can answer those questions. And if they can get it from a customer who knows that answer because they've like done that with us before or whatever the issue or question they have, they've been there and they can answer it for them like that. It's so helpful because they can just kind of do it themselves at that point. Like when they come to us, their questions are more, they're not the easier things. It's more of like on the back end, us changing something Mm -hmm. for them like that but anything easy, like they just go into that group and they just all figure it out together. And we kind of just get to pop in and be like, good job. <laughs> like you guys are great. You're doing good over there. Keep it up. Um, yes, that is true. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, so great. I'm like, they did say that correctly. It is uncomfortable <laughs> if they do answer it not correctly. And you're like, sure. Wait, no, no, not that one, <laughs> but, but close, you're close, but it's a blessing. Uh, Justine, I'd love to chat more about like the, the culture you've built at the bookish box, knowing it started with you and now you're the CEO there. And, and you mentioned it earlier and knowing that with fandom, people are so passionate about stories and different things. There can be toxic sides to the fandom and you don't want to cultivate that. You want to get rid of that, but for your own company, um, how would you describe the culture at the bookish box? I love it. Um, I actually, one of our employees lately, cause we've hired more employees, like just constantly. one of our employees who's been with us for about a year said, I was like, well, how are you feeling? Everything's going. And she was like, oh, they're fitting so well. I don't know how it is, but you just keep hiring all the weirdos and we really all work together. And I was like, we do because we are weirdos. So like, it is really cool because I think our office has this really bright, like positive aura of people who are kind to each other, people who genuinely care about like what we're doing. So whether it's customer service and in their interactions with customers and like them going above and beyond, um, are you like, we will never get an email from somebody who is telling us that, um, 
which is very sad, but we will get emails from family members saying like, Hey, we need to cancel this because this customer of yours has died. And anytime that happens, our customer service will message me and be like, can we send them flowers? Like, can we do mm-hmm. something for this family? And it's not because they're going to get paid extra for doing that. It's because they genuinely feel like a connection to our customers. So they like, they want to go to bat for them and they want to like stand alongside and, and like be there as part of like, Hey, like maybe you are not as aware because we're just this company that's been charging your, your daughter or something, but like your daughter has been talking in our Facebook group. So we feel like a connection to them and we want to send something just to be, you know, feel like we're part of the, so she feels like that, you know, and they will always do that. Uh, or even like in our shop or our box, like they care so much about getting the orders right. And then looking good that sometimes we have to be like, that's not, that's not, you don't have to worry. Like you're doing too much on that, that just bring it back out. Cause now we're losing productivity because they care so much. And I think because of that, we all have like, it's garnered this like mutual respect for each other. I think everybody's had a job where you're working with somebody and they genuinely don't care what they're doing. And it's even if you don't really care, but you're doing your job, it's frustrating because you're like, well, now I'm going to do your work for you. And we're not going to get like, it's just not going to be a great environment. And everybody there so genuinely cares that I think that fosters like this environment of them caring about each other. And I hope, I think that they do feel that all of our like, management staff or me as a CEO genuinely cares about our employees too. And to the point of like that, if we can come in there and help in some area of their life, we're going to, uh, and being considerate of different things in their lives and how people are humans and have to have like sick time because like, we're going to get sick and like the Arizona standards, which is where we're based for sick time are abysmal. Like Hmm. it's horrible. So we really want for when people come to work and I know not every day of coming to work is going to be like, what a day. I love it. Some days at work, you're like, man, I wish I was at home with my family and that's okay. But we want it to be as good as possible. So we do lots of fun things. And when we have like our team parties, like I think everybody genuinely has a good time. Like if I said you could leave early or stay for the party, I think most people would stay, but we make them stay anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Becca, what about from your perspective? Um, what do you value about the culture at the Bookish Box? I feel like everybody feels welcome when they're here. And I feel like that is a very special thing to have at your job. Um, I feel like a lot of us have work jobs where you feel like you could literally just stop showing up and nobody's going to call. And like, you could have gotten in an accident and they're just like, well, you didn't show up to work. So don't know what to tell you. And here it's like, if somebody's more than like 10 minutes late and we haven't heard from them, we're like full panic. Like, are they okay? And it's not like, why aren't they at work? It's like, hey, are they they good? Are, are they, they dead? <laughs> yeah, literally my first thought every time I'm like, something happened. Um, that, that usually is just like that they're running late and they forgot to tell us, but you never know. Um, but that's something that I think is just not offered in a lot of workplaces and it's really important that it is because I think it makes like Justine said like when people come to work they genuinely feel like they want to be here for the most part like it's never even if I have one of those days where I'm like I just want to lay in bed and hang out with my dog all day once I get to work I'm like oh I'm happy I came in like this is pretty good and even we do have like we're very transparent when we do hiring. Like we like to let our values be known. 
because we don't want one, making anybody feel uncomfortable, but two, we want to keep fostering that environment. So we want them to know what they're coming into. Um, and I feel like every time we kind of like lay down, you know, where we're at, what we do, where we support to, we get people who like, we had one of our employees in her interview just like started crying because she was like, I've never like had that before. Like, I've never just been told like, we want everyone to feel like they have a spot here. Like no matter who you are, where you come from, like you deserve to be treated like a human and we're going to do that. It makes me a little teary. It's just very sweet. Um, and it makes, this is our safe space and we want to protect it. You know, it is. I love hearing about all of that. And I can, I totally relate when you were talking about people not caring, even if it's like a amiable office, people get along. I distinctly recall moments where like a big life event has happened in my own life. Um, that was like intense and you had to leave work early and then you come in the next day and no one mentions it. No one's like, Hey, Hey, are you all right? What's going on? Like, did that work out? Okay. And yeah, it just sticks with you where you're like, if people don't care, you can tell. And it makes you feel less a part of that culture. So I, I'm so happy to hear those stories. It kind of shines through from talking to you guys that you really do care and you value not just your community, but each other. And you mentioned um, supporting when you're sharing what the bookish box kind of stands for. And I'd love to hear more about that, Justine. You mentioned that there's a few foundations and charities very near and dear to everyone's heart. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of families are this, um, but my family, we are not straight. <laughs> so like I am not a straight woman and I have family members who are not. And so for me, I think it's very important to have an environment where you feel safe at your job. Um, I have family members who were made to feel less safe at their places of employment because of their sexuality. And at that time, I, I couldn't offer something different. I was like a stay-at-home mom who was super broken and didn't have a business. And it just made me angry. Um, so I want our business to be where people can be and feel safe to be who they are and know that we, like Becca said, in our things, we purposely put on our things that we are uh, like a safe space and we are LGBT plus everything friendly. And it kind of ends up filtering out people who are not. And that's part of the goal is that we want we don't ever want to bring somebody into the office that all of our existing employees suddenly feel like less like they can be themselves. And we kind of, and that's something across the board. So with organizations that we support, we want to support organizations that are pushing for those kinds of things as well. So we work with, um, they're called change commerce, but do you remember, do you remember their, their other like change commerce is their app, but the name of the company is something else. And I wish I could remember what they're called. Shopping Yes. Thank you. Shopping gives. And so they're really awesome. If you're on Shopify, I would recommend it to a company because it's a great way to bring an easy way to donate a portion of what you're making to an organization uh, and kind of like before it ever even hits your bank account. So it's not like at the end of the year, trying to figure out how to make that happen. It's every single purchase. So it just, it makes it really easy. And so we do that. Um, and actually just had a meeting because I'm so excited about how much we've already done this year. Uh, we're about to hit what we did the entire year last year. Uh, by the end of this month, I think we'll hit it, which wow. is crazy. So we are last year, February, by the way, if you're hearing that now, so that is yeah. fantastic. So last year we did just under $80,000 in donations to these organizations. We worked with Black Lives Matter, uh, the Trevor Project, uh, the Trans Alliance, 
Um, there was one other one and I'm Planned, remember. Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Um, and so what happens is a percentage of everything that you buy, a percentage of that will go to those organizations. And you see it when you go to our site, uh, it says like, you know, check to see who like that is. So you can click it and see exactly who we're donating to. Um, and we're using our money. So it's not the customers can round up if they want, but the donation is coming straight from our profit. And so obviously as our company does better, we're able to give more. This year we've had to switch because of all the stuff that's coming out with Black Lives Matter as far as like where the donations are going. It's so important to us that it's actually hitting those communities. And right now where they're trying to figure out where that money is. So we have pivoted to, it's called the, I want I felt the bail project. I looked at a few, so I'm trying to make sure I don't mix them up, but I'm pretty sure it's called the bail project. And they are really awesome, especially in communities that need it, but helping people get the bail that they need so they can then be out of jail and out of being in holding so they can also stay and continue to work because a lot of people can't, like their families won't be helped if they're in jail, like that's their income. And especially over things that it feels like a little bit, I don't know. That's political. I guess I won't go there. But anyways, uh, those are the ones that we're supporting right now. And so far this year, as of February 18th, we're at $47,000 that we've given, which is so exciting. So um, we also give, so in the Trans Alliance, we do like a monthly donation that is just automatic, but um, everything else is like a percentage of proceeds situation. And so we just had a meeting where we are talking about maybe trying to find a way to, uh, for different organizations. So, because before I kind of wanted to keep it the same because it wasn't as much. And so like, if I'm doing only like 300 a month in different ones, it's not going to have as much of an impact, but now that we're giving so much where I think all of them have received a little bit over $11,000 at this point, that's a substantial impact. So if we wanted to pivot and try another company, um, we could and still have that impact. So we're talking about doing things like when there is a holiday or, you know, like pride month or something saying, let's pivot all of the ones that we're, we're doing to companies that work for that cause. And then at the end of the month, getting to tell people like, Hey, any shopping you do this month, it went towards these people. And this is what they do. If you want to look into it, there's also an orphanage in Arizona that we partnered with, especially at Christmas time. But, um, they work specifically with kids who are in the community, um, especially kids who are trans, who may have a harder time being placed. And uh, so they basically have like a Amazon wish list. So we just go on and like wipe it out whenever we can. And they are really awesome for doing what they do. And we just want to kind of like get in there when we can. So it, it, it's a really great way for us to finally be able to do something that feels like meaningful because like I said before, I was not in a position to get to, and now I can, which is really cool. Becca, when you hear Justine talk so passionately about all of that, how does that make you feel as an employee at the Bookish Box? As an employee, it makes me proud to work here. As her sister, it makes me just like emotional because it's just so sweet. I love that. Okay, just a few rapid fire questions here at the end, just as we have a few minutes left. Uh, Justine, I'll go back to you. What would advice would you give to someone who, who maybe has their own hobby, but is thinking about maybe starting into a business? If you went back, you know, 10 years, what advice would you give to someone just starting out then? No, <laughs> um, I don't know. I would say do your taxes. 
as soon as you start your business, because that's horrible to try to go back and fix. I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. So I thought it was just like hobby money. And then when it got out of hand so fast, it was like, oh, this is rough. And I have to go back and fix that. So make sure you are doing your taxes from the beginning. Uh, Do research. I didn't. I jumped in with both feet immediately. And that's why I think Becca is like nervous every time we make a change, because I am like the queen of walking into the office and saying, so today I decided we're going to do this. And Becca's like, oh, okay, cool. So I think it worked for me at that time because it was a brand new market. So I had the ability to get traction immediately. I think if today I started a subscription box in this market, not doing research and not realizing like how heavy the competition is and like the expectation, like if you look at our boxes now versus the first box, our customers would not pay for that first box now because their expectations are so much higher. So I think doing research to understanding if there's a market is so important, but I think more than anything, I think loving your audience is what is key because me being part of my audience, it made it easy. And I don't think you have to be part of your audience to have a successful business, but loving your audience. I think you do. I think you have to genuinely love and care about the people you're selling to, because I think they can feel it. Like, I feel like they can feel like our intentions and everything we do. And I think that helps you be successful and also enjoy life a lot more. Becca, what about for you now? Um, not necessarily starting out the business, but if you, you got like hundred thousand, uh, subscribers, any advice you'd give someone who's looking to scale and grow a little bigger? I honestly, I feel like it is about loving your audience because every time we, I mean, we're human, so we do make mistakes. Anytime we make a mistake, when we go to reach out to those customers and I'm typing the email, I'm like, like just scared. I'm like, I'm going to hit send, read it again, make sure everything looks okay. Like, are we sure? Um, But every time we do that, we are met with so much love every time. Um, And I feel like if they didn't feel that we like genuinely cared about what we were doing and wanted to make things better every time that our goal is to always grow as a company with like, not only in subscribers, but also as like human beings, we want to grow and learn different things about the business. Um, I feel like we wouldn't get that sort of love. And when we do make mistakes, I feel like we would see a huge impact in our sales and our growth. And we just don't have that happen because they know like that we have a community with them. So I feel like that is the most important part is like really bonding with your customers and having them know where you're coming from. That's all. (laughs) Well, Beck and Justine, we've loved having you on Hit Subscribe. We loved hearing all about the bookish box and we just wanted to wish you guys the best of luck for the rest of 2022. Thank you. We'd like to thank Justine and Rebecca so much for joining us. Check out The Bookish Box at thebookishshop.com. If you'd like to hear more of our episodes, you can find us at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe.